What a day, what a day, what a day. Welcome to the JT The Brick Show. You know, when you put the silver and black uniform on, you get such a surge of energy. It's time for the JT The Brick Show. And a lot of football players around the country that want to wear that silver and black. JT The Brick. When you talk about the Raiders, everyone knows you talk about the Raiders. On Raider Nation Radio 920 AM, here's your host, JT The Brick. Out of the gate, JT with you on a busy show today. A Friday, first Friday here in Vegas on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. I hope everybody has a great weekend leading up to the Raiders' early start in New Jersey against the Big Blue. Wrecking Crew, the New York Giants, that game is early Sunday. Uh, We will be live at M Resort Casino Spa. We'll be out there on Sunday real early along with Eric Allen. Pre-game show, I believe, starts at 8 AM. So we'll be out there and having a great time. I'm actually staying at the M on Saturday night because I'm going to the Stones concert, and I'm going to be over there, a little staycation over at the M right next to the Raiders Tavern and Grill. So we'll be right there uh, excited for this game, which, look, I'm not going into must-win with a team, obviously, that's 5-2. and two. I'm not insane enough to do that, but it feels like it's an important game for a number of reasons. The Henry Ruggs, the third story from this week, the tragedy, trying to bounce back as a football team after what happened in the building all week, all the players and coaches that were affected, uh, traveling and playing at an early time. Uh, the Giants got far more injuries than the Raiders do, and the Raiders are a better team, so the Raiders should win. But the Meadowlands, which I grew up going to, been going to games since I've been six years old at the old Meadowlands, and now New Met Life that I've only been to a few times. Uh, it's windy, it's dank, it's cold, it's wind. That, that's the difference when you play at this venue outside. It, it really is a dump. They built it wrong. It's a fairly new stadium that was built in the old category of those giant oval outdoor stadiums built straight up that were built, and they're kind of out of date now. If you see SoFi in Los Angeles or Allegiant in Vegas, or in Minneapolis where the Vikings play. So it's a tough place to play. That's what I'm saying. It's tough. But what I like about this game is I've been on a text thread with the Rochester Black Hole, Phil Villapiano and the Jersey guys. A lot of Raider fans have to pick one or two games to go to a year on the road. You know, Raider fans, you know, everybody's not Gorilla Rilla, my good friend who can go to every game because he's so passionate that he finds a way to go to every game. He's incredible. And there are fans that go to every game. And my point is a lot of fans can't do that, so they'll pick games regionally. And when there's only one East Coast game, when the East Coast only gives you really one big game, because the Baltimore game was played here, the Pittsburgh game was played there earlier, really early in the season. If fans were able to go to that game, that was September 19th. And then you look at the rest of the schedule here, This is a pilgrimage for everybody in New England, Connecticut, New Jersey, Philadelphia, in that region to go see the Raider Nation. Because coming up after that, if you look at these road games, you know, Washington is here at home, so you don't get that trip there. Cleveland is a game that a lot of fans in the Buffalo region, Ohio, can get to. And then other than that, there's a game in Indianapolis near the end of the year. I guess that game's on January 2nd. So my point is, this is the East Coast hub game for a lot of fans and international fans. By the way, there's still travel restrictions, but a lot of European fans uh, or English fans would come to this game, whatever game's on the East Coast. So I expect there to be a great Raider turnout 
Whenever there's a game in that region, Phil Villapiano's there, and that's good enough for me. We're brought to you by PTs. As you know, I'm always talking about them. They fuel the monologue, and they got a new True Rewards app. If you download the True Rewards app, you'll see everything here about True Rewards and how you could get instant rewards at all of their properties, all the promotions that they have. It truly is a fantastic app that was just launched. So get a chance to download the app and see what I'm looking at. It's fantastic. If you go to the taverns, there's 65 taverns and the watch parties for the Vegas Golden Knights, PT's Gold, PT's Place, PT's Pub, PT's Ranch, Sean Patrick, Sierra Gold, and the SG Bar. 65 taverns, man, in the Valley. That's why they're with me. That's why I'm with them. All right, Jim Plunkett at the bottom of the hour. How cool is that? Jim Plunkett coming up, brought to you by Modelo, that fighting spirit. It's an honor to talk to Jim Plunkett. Whenever we have him on, uh, we'll talk about this game plan because I think this game plan, it's a tough one because the Giants, as Kurt Warner said, against Kansas City played a very sticky defense with the two safeties over the top and the double team on the tight end, which was Kelsey, and the fact that they've had COVID issues all week and injuries I think they put the same game plan out as Kansas City, don't you? I mean, doesn't that sound pretty basic? Is that whatever Joe Judge did to get that team ready for Kansas City and almost beat them, that you just stick with the same plan? They stopped Kelsey. They're going to try to stop Waller. They double-teamed Tyreek Hill. I don't know. Do they try to take Josh Jacobs out of the game? But what they're going to do is they're going to have those two safeties high, and they play a soft defense. I watched the game against Kansas City twice. Every play in preparation of the pregame show Sunday. And what I noticed is what I knew already, but I want to tell you about it. The Giants play off the ball. The Giant corners play 10 yards off the ball. They don't care if you throw underneath. If you throw a three-yard hitch route, they're fine with it. They get everybody to the ball. But if they play bump and run, then you could see some of these receivers maybe getting open at the line, and then you can hit them deep. So what I think is going to have to happen in this game is that the, the, the Raiders are going to have to throw underneath. Offensive line has to hold up, and then Carr has got to make a quick decision. He's got to hit guys in stride because the Giants are going to be playing off them. It'll be 5 or 10 yards. And if you can hit Renfro on an inside slant or Edwards on a crossing pattern, then there's chaos, and the Giants have a lot of tra- problems tackling, injuries, all the issues that we've been talking about all week. But I don't think you can just plant and sit back and just look to throw daisy-cutter bombs all day down the middle of the field because they got guys way off the ball looking forward to competing against the bomb in the deep pass. Now, the running game, the running game is unique to me because the Raiders don't run it well. They just don't. And I don't know why. They have a fullback, and they have a running back in Josh Jacobs and a $6 million man in Drake. Now, is it a problem with the interior of the offensive line? No incognito, good, gone for the year. Andre James, what they have up front, yeah, I think that's the problem. It Doesn't that make sense? They're just not blowing open the line of scrimmage. They're not running downhill. Leatherwood is that type of guy. I'd rather see Leatherwood run block and get out quickly and use his Alabama skills to get out and put his hands on someone and throw them backwards than pass protect which is not his strength, on the inside a little bit more on the outside. So where's Josh Jacobs? What's going on? Could somebody get Jacobs going? 
I got I got the kid from did you see what the kid Jonathan Taylor did from Indianapolis last night? That they ran for the most yards of any team in football this year last night. Well, you got a new running back. You got a new running back coming into Indianapolis who's dominating the league. Let's find a way to get the Raider running back, Josh Jacobs, to start dominating in this league. I mean, I'm not talking about his contract extension. I'm not talking about anything. Josh Jacobs can't be a a 50-yard-a-game guy. Taylor last night ran 19 carries, 172 yards, and two touchdowns. Where is that game from Jacobs? Where's Jacobs, 23 carries, 146 yards, two touchdowns? How much longer are we going to wait? Now, I understand his injuries. The chest, playing through injuries. I get it, the toe. If he's close to 100% and better, it's important. Not this game down the road. The Raiders drafted a first-round franchise running back. They've got to get production out of him. The running attack is one of the worst in the league. They have to be better at it. Would this be a game where you'd want to run the ball, or would this be a game that you want to take chances and put it in the air? That's really a fun debate in the Raider Nation. It really is, because I got friends who text me all the time, text me all the time and say, JT, why the hell are we running it? And I go, what do you mean? They come up to me at the end and they go, why we bother running it? Let's throw every down. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds pretty good. But back, the former coach, Sean Gruden's not going to, not going to throw on every down. He likes to run. Two tight ends set with the fullback. And now Greg Olson. I think Greg Olson and Johnny Morton are going to open it up a little bit more. But who were they opening up with? They were opening it up with Henry Ruggs III, who before this tragic accident was fabulous this year at just being a guy running great deep ball routes. Now we have to make the decision today, and we're on alert. Our head's on a swivel. We got some book guests, so if I'm in the middle of an interview, I'll let you know. But the big discussion today is what do we do with Odell Beckham Jr.? Look, if you had to choose between Zay Jones and Odell Beckham Jr., and you pick Zay Jones, I would call someone in a straitjacket. I'd call Chris Angel and have him come in with the straitjacket and put it around you. If you would pick Zay Jones over Odell Beckham Jr. Now, if the Raiders can't get Odell Beckham Jr., for obvious reasons, Zay Jones can do a nice job. He's a tweener, though. He has enough to make you believe, but he never fully breaks through. Uh, are we going to learn now? But I like the idea of OBJ. I like I like the idea of it. You know, I like the idea of getting someone who demands the double team over the top of the safety. That's what Ruggs was really good at, even though he struggled with COVID his first year, and now he'll never be heard of again. Well, what he was good at is he was a speedster. The way Cliff Branch demanded the double team and the greatest possession receiver of my lifetime, other than Jerry Rice, who was the greatest receiver of all time, Fred Bolitnikoff. Fred Bolitnikoff in single coverage, oh, my God. I mean, my, he would just tear you up. So the decision now has to be made about what the Raiders are going to do in this game. Mike Mayock, Mike Mayock has done a pretty good job, I think we'd all agree with a lot of the players that have come in that were free agents or guys they made moves for, Casey Hayward, to be exact, Yannick Ngakwe, and all that. But you don't hear Mayock getting enough credit on this show. That's why I make sure I give Mayock the credit for the players who hit because everybody talks about the players that don't hit in the draft. 
i.e. Henry Ruggs, because of the tragedy. Can't, can't predict that. Stop. But the other players, Cleve Farrell, other players who are supposed to be able to step up, Edwards at this time would be great. Those guys got to perform at a high level. So do I like some of the other wide receivers late in the season, midway through, that could be available? I've always been an Odell Beckham Jr. fan. Always. And he's 29 years old today. Happy birthday today. And everybody's wondering now because he's been released. And you could say he quit on the team. What what happened was he cannot be claimed on waivers until 4 p.m. Monday at the earliest. And then the current waiver wire order is Detroit, Miami, Houston, Jacksonville, the Jets, as you know, the Giants. So Raiders are way down on the list. But for a sports talk radio topic, you don't think Odell Beckham Jr. is is an important topic for this town? This town was talking about Aaron Rodgers two years ago. You better believe we're going to talk about Odell Beckham Jr. I mean, this guy's an unbelievable talent. But again, it's time for Zay Jones and the talent of this roster to step up here quickly and play a, a solid, secure game against the Giants. Again, I can't tell you how many times as a kid I went to the Meadowlands and all of a sudden, fumble! You're like, what? Oh, the ball's out. Tip ball, interception. It's a weird place because of the wind, the weather, the early start time, everything. So just play a clean game. You know, play a clean game. You're coming off the bye week. Rich Basaccia loves a Wednesday padded practice. Loves it. And with all that, you know, you, you hope the team's fresh. They're explosive. They get off the ball quickly, and they don't turn the ball over. Again, I don't predict games. That's not what I get paid to do. I get paid to have opinions and to have some access here on Raider Nation Radio. And I've talked to coaches. I've texted players. I've been involved this week from a limited basis because I respect the privacy of the entire organization for what they're going through. From the owner to the friends of mine who are executives and the people I know, this is a really difficult week. Everybody is hurting really bad. I mean, deep down in their hearts, Raider fans, along with the Raider organization, this was a tragedy of epic proportions, and everybody is hurting. Friends, family, everyone involved, wives, kids. There's no festivity. There's no fun. And they came off a bye week where I hope some of the players before the incident had some fun. As I told you a week ago when I went back to New York, I hope that people had a chance to just shut it down. Get away from football for a few days or a long weekend. I went to Oklahoma to see my son in some college football. I didn't think about the Raiders. I was able to get away. And I hope the players were, and they're refreshed to come back. But I know they got a gut punch. I know there's tears flowing, flowing over there. And a lot of people are hurt. And fortunately, Rich Passaccia is a great leader. Derek Carr is fantastic. A faith-based quarterback who cares about everything that has to do with that issue. And then the rest of the team, as they get ready to roll here. Again, it's, it's, a, it's an important time to be a Raider fan, right? You know it. You were born a Raider fan. You've been with this team since 1960, 1980, whatever it is. This is where you got to come together tight, group hug with the family, and get the guys to the next level. If you believe that, if you believe as a fan you make an impact, I do, I know you do, then, like, be at your best. This is a big game. 
not a lot of negativity. You don't hear what we heard in other weeks after the Bears game. Oh, my God, what are we doing? Oh, my God, the sky's falling. There's none of that. Guys got to just take care of business, beat the Giants. We're not looking for this team to travel and beat Baltimore. They're not playing Tampa in Tampa. They're playing the Giants. And the Giants are more than capable of winning this game because I thought they outplayed Kansas City for most of the game. The other huge topic is that our country is pretty much not divided on the vaccine. The majority of people are getting vaccinated. So that's a good thing. I'm vaccinated. We talk about this all the time. All the coaches in the NFL, the commissioner, everybody, all the exec, everybody's vaccinated. 94.7% of the NFL players are vaccinated. There's a tiny percent of players who aren't vaccinated, and we know who they are. But we didn't know about Aaron Rodgers, and Aaron Rodgers is vaccinated now. As you know, I'm born and raised in New York. Listen to this. Because of mandates and people who don't like mandates, I'm not a mandate guy. I just think people should go get the shot and help out and go on. 92% of city workers, 92% of city workers in New York City are vaccinated. Not 51%, not 70 92%, including 90 of the emergency service workers, 79% of firefighters, and ready for this? 85% of New York police officers, NYPD. Why am I bringing that up? To prove again that the majority of people are vaccinated for the right reasons. The small minority that isn't make the loudest amount of noise on Twitter, the loudest amount of noise when they're anonymous, the loudest amount of noise on Facebook and other platforms. They're the loud ones. Everybody else who's vaccinated is just getting on with their lives, and they're doing it. And I'm one of them, and you are one of them too, most likely. Aaron Rodgers is not. Oh, my God, this interview today was unbelievable. Pat McAfee, I'm on the same lineup with him. I'm on Mad Dog every night. He's on earlier than me. He had Aaron Rodgers on today. Listen to these two cuts from the interview today, and now Aaron Rodgers is officially the voice and face of the unvaccinated, as he proved that earlier today. I consulted with a now good friend of mine, Joe Rogan, after he got COVID, and I've been doing a lot of the stuff that he recommended in his podcasts and, you know, on the phone to me. And I'm going to have the best immunity possible now. Wow. Holy crap. I download Joe Rogan's podcast. It's the most successful. He actually went on television, because McAfee shows on TV and YouTube, and said, you know, he didn't go down the scientist road, the doctors, CDC, whatever, because that gets people triggered. He played the Joe Rogan card as the MVP of the league. And again, I like Joe Rogan and I like Aaron Rodgers. But, I mean, everybody fell off their car seats and radios when he said that. Oh, excuse me? Oh, you're going down the Joe Rogan road? You're taking the Joe Rogan vitamins? And you're, all your teammates are vaccinated, literally everyone, but you're going to follow Joe Rogan and not the president of the Packers and the team doctor. The team doctor. There's a team doctor on the Packers. No, no, he's going to go down the Joe Rogan road. Okay. Joe Rogan's got a lot of followers there. Here's more from Aaron Rodgers as everybody is just coming after this interview from today. Here's what he said. The next great chapter in my life, I believe, is being a father. And it's something that I care about a lot. And to my knowledge, there's been zero long-term studies around 
uh, sterility or fertility issues uh, around the vaccines. So that was definitely something that I was worried about. Okay. We, we were not aware of this, nor should we. I get it. Fertility, I don't need to hear Aaron Rodgers' opinion on fertility. He breaks up with Danica Patrick, Olivia Munn. He's dating this new gal. I wish him nothing but the best. But, again, he falls into the category now of doing his own research, which I call blank on. Bull blank on that. Anybody who says I'm doing their own research, if they say I'm researching with my doctor and we're researching – I get it when Aaron Rodgers says he's doing his own research after the yoga cleanse and golfing in, in Montana with Bryson DeChambeau, I call blank. No way. Okay? So that's who he is. If you're, not, if you're unvaccinated, I keep everything to sports. Aaron Rodgers is the MVP. Okay? Tie it all in. If, if he is now the new voice and face of the unvaccinated, the happiest guy in the world today should be Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving today should send him a gift basket and say, thank you, Aaron. I don't have to get heat anymore. There's going to be no protest outside the Barclays Center. You are now the face of the unvaccinated. And if he wants to do that and Aaron Rodgers wants to take that on, he can. He can. And I thought a lot of the interview today was uncomfortable, but he spoke and he showed up for the interview. He showed up for the interview during an uncomfortable time. And as a member of the media, I think that's cool. If you have a media obligation and you show up and you do it under adverse conditions, I give you credit for that. It's good content. I'm playing it on the radio. But it's the biggest story in sports today, so I thought you'd like to hear it in the monologue. Uh, Raider 562, start us off on a Friday. How are you? Hey, how's it going, JT? I'm doing well, Uh, thank you. Thanks for calling. I think, in my opinion, I I think it's just uh, ignorant and selfish thing to do. You know, it's, uh, I'm sorry, let me, uh, I can't hear you, I'm, I'm losing. I can hear you, just, just say what you got to say, I got you, go ahead. All right, we lost him. I wait around all day for callers to call my show. I could do, I can do 50 hours without a call. I can't. I can do all this just all by myself. I don't have two co-hosts, I don't have clappers in the background. Hey, JT, that was funny. No, I just, just wait around all day for someone to call in at night and during the day. That matched my energy. If your phone breaks down, you could always call me back. I, I really mean that. I was a great caller. That's how I got into the business. No one loves a good phone call better than your boy, JT the Brick. Nobody, especially from Raider Nation. That can really sound off like you got a pair. 702-365-9200. If you'd like to make a prediction for the game, I'd appreciate that. Uh, uh, Steph McKenzie gave us one, what's he say, 34-24 or 34-21 earlier in the week. I just want the Raiders to win by one. I want them to come back 6-2 and two because I have an idea of what's lined up next week. What's lined up next week is the biggest game of the year without question. Without question, it's the biggest game of the year. When you talk about Mahomes coming to town, Sunday night football, Al Michaels, Chris Collinsworth, and Charles Woodson in town all week. Next week is going to be special. 5-6-2, good to call back. ahead. Hey, JT, sorry about that, man. That's okay, go ahead. Uh, I just think it's ignorant and selfish, uh, you know, with the whole thing with uh, Aaron Rodgers, you know. Um, the thing is that it's not just about you as an individual. You know what I mean? It's, it's different if it was personally him 
and I get all the people saying personal choice and all that, but your personal choice affects other people. Now, if he's walking around the facility with a, without a mask on and he's walking around and he's affected, he could get someone else affected, which in turn could take that to one of their family members. Yeah, that could happen, but I think you know I think we should pump the brakes a little bit about the violations. He explained the violations. He knows he violated what they were doing in the me- in the press conferences because he thought that the media was far enough away, which really shows you how stupid he is. Because right. if you're going to get called unvaccinated to the media room, you better have your your mask on your face. And if he's this is a guy who tells you he's doing his own research. And this is a guy stupid enough to believe that distance in the media room with him talking during a pandemic is okay. He has no idea what he's talking about. He's not educated in any of this at all. He's not a scientist or a doctor. He's living off of Joe Rogan's podcast. And he tried to lie to everybody about being vaccinated when he said he was immunized because he knew no one was going to follow up in that room to ask those questions the way that the Raider media would have followed up with Derek Carr if he said that or the way that the New York media would have followed up if Daniel Jones said that. So basically, you can think he's lying or not, but now what he's doing is he's digging a deeper hole because there are a lot of people in this country who are affected by COVID, friends, family, who died and got sick. So when they hear his uneducated ass talk about this, the people who have been affected by COVID are angry, and they're angry at him. They're not angry at anybody. They're angry at him because they feel offended because they lost someone or someone's really sick. That's, that's part of the problem for him going forward, too. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And I've lost family members uh, due to COVID myself. So I personally am offended with that, his statement and just mm-hmm. kind of the lack of, you know, the lack of uh, knowledge, you know, or looking into, you know, actually with uh, talking to doctors and scientists yep. and stuff like that. Right. You know, but uh, as far as us, as far as the Raiders, I, I think that we got to kind of, at the game with New York, I think we got to be able to uh, pass in order to open up that run. Yes, I agree. Not just pass, not just pass crazy, crazy, but, you know, take what they give you. Mm-hmm. All right, my friend, your phone's breaking up again. I got to go. I appreciate you trying back again. I agree with what you said. You got to pass to open up the run. You're going to have to pass underneath. I think there's going to be a lot of dinking and dunking in this game, a term that a lot of Raider fans don't like. But I think the short pass is going to be big. I love Renfro in this game. Single coverage. I think Waller's going to be double teamed. And the one thing I keep telling you all week, I don't care if he's double teamed anymore. I'm sick of it. I don't care if he's double teamed. Get him open. Get him open off the double team. Rub routes. Find a way to put him in motion. Waller's got to have a big game. Jim Plunkett is joining us next, everybody. Uh, you know, it's good. They're a good football team. I've, we've noticed that. Obviously, they're a good football team. So we'll have our, you know, we'll have our hands full uh, on the road, an East Coast trip. Uh, for us, it'd be, a, a again, um, a good crowd. Uh, weather hopefully won't play a, a part in this. But they, we've, you don't have to, you know, you turn the tape on and realize this is a good football team. And, and we need to be ready, obviously. Uh, but 
would I say have we seen a lot of mental mistakes on their end? No, we just see a good football team. That is Craig Olson. I agree with what he had to say. Our Jim Plunkett segment brought to you by Modelo, an official cerveza of the Las Vegas Raiders, the great Jim Plunkett. It's an honor to talk to him every Friday. And, Jim, I grew up back there and going to Giants games as a kid to date myself, Shea Stadium, early for the Jets back in the day. Jim, take me through a New Jersey or a New York weather game when you played back there and, of course, your Patriot years, the difficulty playing in the wind. It'll get very hard. Sometimes you throw a ball one way and it goes 80 yards. You throw a ball the other way and it goes about 20. Uh, it can be very, very tough, especially if it's swirling. Then you can't judge it. If it's with you or against you, you can judge it a little bit better. But if it tends to be swirling around the stadium and inside the stadium, it makes it tough. Jim, you got a lot of fans back there. Obviously, the Heisman when you go back to New York. And some of the memories of back there. It's a long trip when you were with the L.A. Raiders. And when you had to play back east, east coast, that long trip, that early start, how did you adjust to the travel and especially playing in that New York, New Jersey hostile environment? Well, everybody's different. You know, you, 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 hopefully when you wake up on, on game day, you know it's, it's a little bit later for you than it would be if you were back home on the West Coast. But, uh, you know, you make the adjustment. You, you know, you got to face the facts. you got to go out there and do what you have to do. And you're playing in front of a hostile crowd. It, they make things tough for you. You know, you know New York well, I'm sure. Uh, and it is tough to play no matter what, how their season is going. It's tough yeah. to play there. Great point. Jim Plunkett's our guest. Jim, what I really wanted to talk to you about is the scheme of this game because listening to the broadcast, Hall of Famer Kurt Warner was talking about how the Giants were really sticky on defense against Mahomes, and Mahomes struggled because they took away Kelsey. They double-teamed him, and the Raiders have the same type of player in Waller. So if the Giants lay off the receivers and give that giant 10-yard cushion and they're double-teaming Waller, Talk to me about the short passing game and how the short passes can click early. Well, it, you know, it can in any, in any situation, depending on, as we talked about earlier, the weather. Uh, but, you know, the short passing game and bad weather is the way to go. It's hard to get the ball down the field with any accuracy. Uh, and, you know, the Giants have been struggling. They play a little bit better uh, offensively, I think, than they are defensively. Uh, but they're giving up big plays uh, during the course of a ball game that really comes back to haunt them. Yeah, Jim Plunkett, you nailed it. There's always a couple of plays that haunt some of these teams that only have two or three wins in this game. And, Jim, one more follow-up on that. When you have those two safeties deep over the top, when you have teams that like to play deep and they want, they, they're trying to take away that deep ball and they're going underneath, tackling is a premium there, and you got to tell your backs and your tight ends, hold on to the football. This giant team likes to get to the ball and dislodge it, and these receivers and running backs got to do a big job in this game holding on to it. Oh, without doubt, especially uh, considering the weather, what the weather might be. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, when it gets cold, it, you know, it's frigid, it's hard to hold on to a football. But, yeah, they come up and make the tackles uh, with a running head start, and they, they bang into the receivers and the running backs pretty, pretty hard. And it, sometimes it jars the ball loose. But, you know, you know, you know taking everything into consideration, you know, that goes both ways. Uh, you know, the, I mean, the Raiders are going to have to get a little more used to it because of the weather. But, you know, all in all, you know, I, I don't think it will be a problem unless there's a mm -hmm. big storm. Uh, Jim Plunkett's our guest. Jim, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about Derek Carr here because of what he's dealt with with the Gruden resignation and the tragic accident, the fatality involving Henry Ruggs III. He's been speaking a lot. 
and he's really connecting with a lot of people with his faith and what he's going through. He's put his emotions on his sleeves here. So obviously an emotional time for Derek Carr, who's also having a great season on the field. Uh, he's really bounced back. Uh, you know, those two losses that they had in the fourth and fifth games of the year after a great start, uh, now they're bounced back and they're playing them old self, their old selves on offense. But you're right. You know, when, you know, I've been in the situations where, you know, uh, I'm playing in a ball game and, and one of my teammates, one of my friends, just gets nailed and has to be carted off the field. And, you know, you see something like that happen, you know, it's tough. You change coaches. You know, that's probably not as tough as having to deal with a player that gets injured or in this situation uh, uh, with Ruggs uh, gets into trouble he's gotten into. But, you know, you've got to stand up and, and uh, you know, do what you're supposed to do each and every Sunday. And, you know, I'm sure Carr is going to do that. You know, I, you know, he feels for – I'm sure he feels the loss of Gruden, but, you know, he's playing exceptionally well right now and he's got to keep that going. Hey, Jim, you're not in the personnel department, but you're as connected as anyone in the sport. And when you see what happens now that Zay Jones has got to step up and then there's rumors of Odell Beckham Jr. and other ones out there, how does that get into a locker room or not, especially when you're the quarterback and everybody's saying, well, hey, there's this receiver available. It's midseason. Should we go out and get him when you're loyal to your receivers in the locker room that help you get there? Yeah, but, you know, the coaches make that decision. You know, you mm-hmm. want to go out and get probably get the best players you can. Uh, either that you have on the team already or somebody that you feel can fit in. And, you know, they're bringing out another player in to help you out, help you make, make you a better football team. And, you know, and I'm sure, you know, the players are mature enough to, to see that, that the only reason the coaches are bringing somebody in, even though you have people that you, you know, uh, practiced with and played with all year long, uh, you know, they're trying to make you a better football team. And so, you know, you've got to accept it. Uh, and hopefully uh, whoever they bring in will fit in just, just fine. Jim, last one coming off the bye week and the Raiders are on the road. I'm sure we'll see you here for the Kansas City game. Charles Woodson's in town. It's a national game. It's a big game. And, you know, Kansas City's got this game without Aaron Rodgers who tested positive. So I, thought, I really thought Kansas City would lose that game because of the way Green Bay's playing. Now they have a big advantage, and these two teams collide a week from Sunday. Big game the next time we'll see you at Allegiant Stadium. Oh, you know, there's no question about it. And Kansas City you know, is a good football team. Obviously, they're struggling. Uh, you know, their, their record's not what everybody would have expected. But with Mahomes and, and uh, Andy Reid as their head coach, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure they'll right the ship. Thank you, Jim. Enjoy the weekend. Hope they win against the Giants, and we'll talk to you again next Friday. You bet. Looking forward to it, JT. Thank you. You got it, Jim. Jim Plunkett, the great Jim Plunkett, brought to you by Modelo with that fighting spirit. So as Jim talked about the weather and the wind, and you're not accurate with the deep ball, that, that's the problem when you get drafted by the Jets or the Giants. Zach Wilson, Daniel Jones. I mean, you look back, Eli Manning. I'm a big Eli guy. Eli's going to go to the Hall of Fame because he beat Brady twice in the Super Bowl. And he's got the passing records and completions and all that. Eli threw an unbelievable ball. Now, Eli turned it over a lot and lost games. But Eli could step in the pocket and throw it 50 yards on a rope in that weather. And Daniel Jones has got another big arm. I talk to my dad every day, and my dad's a Giant fan, and he roots for the Raiders because of me and all of us out here, and he always says about Daniel Jones, he goes, I like the guy. I'm like, what do you mean, Dad? He goes, I, I just like him. He's a good guy. He's a good leader. You know, he likes what he says, but very quiet, just like Eli. They don't say anything. They don't talk much. And but the difference is Eli couldn't run at all, and Daniel Jones can run. I mean, Jonathan Abram is going to have an opportunity to hit this guy in the open field. 
Perryman, who's having a great year, is going to have the opportunity to hit him in the open field. Because I'm telling you, Daniel Jones, when the pocket breaks down, he takes off. And he is really good outside the pocket and physical and can run. And, you know, if there's third and 11, you've seen it this year at, at Allegiant Stadium. How, you know, how many times Jacoby Brissett, third and what was it, third and 14? You see other Lamar Jackson's different. But we've seen at these games together on TV that the Raiders at time could be susceptible to give up a third down on the ground. Or they're playing behind the sticks and a ball comes up before them and it's a first down. Can't happen with the Giants. Get the Giants off the field. Daniel, this is Daniel Jones. He's make or break with, with them leaving him. The, the GM's going to get fired in Dave Gettleman. He brought in Daniel Jones. The last thing you want to do is give Dave Gettleman the GM life because Daniel Jones throws for 330 yards against the Raiders. As Al Davis said, the quarterback must go down. He must go down early and hard. The Raiders have that with Mad Max Crosby, Yannick Ngakwe, and the ability of Perryman and Abram and these guys to come in and really hit this quarterback and get him on the ground, and we'll see how that plays out. Uh, Sam and Ash is going to join us next. They are the king and queen of First Friday. The First Friday is what happens in downtown today. It's a festival. A lot of people need to kind of get away with what's gone on this week, maybe go down and get a vet beverage downtown, see Sam and Ash, walk the streets of Vegas if you haven't been down there in a while, close to downtown in the Arts District. It'll be a great time. And Bobby's playing Rolling Stones the rest of the way. I'll be pre-gaming at the Torch before the Rolling Stones show. I cannot wait for that. Second down, and they will send Ruggs all alone off to the right. He's one-on-one with Darius Slay. Slay gives him a little bit of a cushion. Now he backs off. Carr looks to the middle, fires, grabbed in the end zone by Foster Moreau. Jackpot, baby! Vegas touchdown! Team, back with you on Friday. Sam and Ash join us. SamandAshLaw.com because you deserve what's right. Our great friends on a first Friday. Ashley, I'll start with you. Happy first Friday. How's everything going? Oh, thanks, JT. It's great to be here. I'm excited. First Friday is always fun, and things are going well. You guys are the leaders of First Friday. Sam, how are you, my friend? Well, good, JT. You know, tough week, I think, in Vegas yeah. uh, this week. So a lot of, lot of emotion, a lot of, lot of feels. So I think this First Friday is going to be good for us to, to get together as a community and as, as, as a neighborhood and, and – um, I don't know. Get together and, 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 feel, and feel unified. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we have a lot of fun together on the radio when you join us and your great friends. You know how much respect you have. And I think we should spend the majority of our time talking about DUIs. It's really important. I've spent the whole week talking about it. I have a 20 and 18 year old son. It's all I preach. They're away in college. I said, not a drop, not one, not two, not three. And then wait till you sober up. Nothing. Zero. You're in court all the time. You represent a lot of your clients. Injury accidents. You've been talking about DUIs your whole careers. Ashley, I'll start with you. What jumps out with the Henry Ruggs case? What disturbed you the most? 
Oh, the disturbing part of this is this decision was made when he was sober to get behind the wheel. You know, he decided he was going out and he knew he was going to have drinks and he got he chose to get behind the wheel that night and not only put his life at risk, but his his girlfriend's life at risk, but everyone else in our community's lives at risk. And and unfortunately, that choice he made when he was sober cost a life. Absolutely, Sam. People make that decision early in the night to go out, and then the night gets away from them. Tell me some stories, some impactful moments where people had good intentions when they started the night, but then bad decisions were made later on in the evening. Well, I think this is something that everybody has, uh, most adults, I think, have have grappled with and have have probably at some point in time crossed a line. And and many are fortunate enough to not have the full consequences of their poor decisions come back to haunt them and to cause grave harm and death, carnage on the road. This crash, JT, was preventable. Ashley's right. He made a choice. It was the wrong choice. I also think leading up to it, though, one thing that stands out to me is that he repeatedly was driving you know, extremely aggressively and dangerously. It was on social media. You know, None of us following this – I don't follow him on social media. I didn't see it until now that it's coming out in the media. But you know, these are – this is not okay, and we need to do a better job at calling out people who – do exhibitionist driving like this, put it on social media, are are boasting about it. You know, where were the police? You know, he was he was on camera breaking serious rules, reckless driving. And I, I think this, you know, this perhaps was preventable in the sense that he, he should have been sought out by police and questioned and, and put on notice for this bad behavior. Sam and Ash, join us, Sam and Ashley, because you deserve what's right. My personal injury attorneys, call them whenever you need them. They're that great. They're the best in town, 702-820-1234. You know, Ashley, I'm not comfortable, especially today, talking about his legal rights going forward. This could play out for years, months. We'll get to that uh, when his court dates stack up. I'm sure we'll touch on it here on the show, but, you know, the victim in this, She's a 23-year-old woman who was walking her dog that night and coming home at that time. What connects with you on the fact that people are out, innocent people are out, and then all of a sudden they're at a light, they're home, they're close to home, and their lives are ending? You're in, you, 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 this is something that hasn't left me all week. The decision and, and this girl walking a dog, we're both dog lovers, and the way she perished. Yeah, it's it's a sad, sad story. And the more we we learned about the facts and circumstances of the victim, it, it just got worse and worse. And and so I'm like you, you know, not a lot of time went by this week where I wasn't thinking about her and her family and her dog. I mean, it's just an absolute tragedy. And the ultimate goal here is to get justice. And that justice is on two fronts. It's criminal justice and making sure Henry Ruggs is held accountable and held responsible for those choices he made. And like you said, that's going to take a while, you know, that the criminal justice system, it's backed up and it's going to have to work its way through. But then there's the civil law system is her family has rights and those rights need to be represented. And, and hopefully I know she's retained a lawyer, but hopefully that lawyer does her the service that she true, their family truly deserves. And and that's going to take time because it'll often wait for the criminal proceedings. So ultimately, justice and responsibility, you know, Henry Ruggs is going to face that. It's just going to take time.
and nothing Sam and Ash. Yeah, yeah and nothing brings it back. I mean, nothing changes mm-hmm. this. Yeah. Nothing. Sam, Sam, I wanted to get your legal perspective on companies, bars, restaurants, leisure experiences that overserve. Now, I go out all the time. We go out together, and you know, bartenders can't keep an eye on anyone. You're at a casino. Someone comes up. They order a drink. They're gone. You don't know if they had six. Mm-hmm. They had one. They had none. What are the legal ramifications going forward for establishments that overserve? Are we getting anywhere with that? Well, right now, the there's there's no uh, there's no uh, overt net, uh, legal requirement that these establishments called dram shop laws. There, there's no mm-hmm. laws like that on the books here. So there's been a, a vigorous debate right in the last few days about should we have these kind of laws, and it. I see it. I, it cuts both ways, JT. Right. On one hand, it, at no point in our history have restaurants and and bars been more understaffed than they are now. So I'm picturing in this environment, right? How how much legal responsibility mm-hmm. do you want to put in the hands of a you know of a bartender that's got you know 30 people, 40 people at his bar, her bar? So that that's one side of it. On the other hand, if if you if and I'm looking at the facts of this night, and from what we know, it's alleged that he was at Top Golf and he was consuming round after round of shots. Did they know he was driving? Maybe not. If yeah. they did, it's egregious. It, it infuriates me. It, I'm sure it infuriates you. We've been, mm-hmm. Ash and I have been talking about this. So, so you know, do you, do, do you always have to be cra- careful when you craft legislation to have it be tailored? To fix a problem without going too far, and then and then and then creating a really legal jeopardy for for you know small businesses and bars that I think are already buried right now. Thank you for this. Uh, just quickly on the way out, Jack Eichel. Wow, what a move! Yeah. I know Ashy's got the disc issue. It's going to take three months, maybe longer. But how about the Vegas Golden Knights going all in on one of the best centers in hockey? I like it. I love it. You know, this is what we need to do. We need to make moves. Now's our chance to get a cup. And I think, um, I think the, the administration and the office, the front office, mm. they're, doing, they're making the steps to do it. Absolutely they are. Sam, uh, a plug for your son riding the Zamboni tonight. Let's talk about <laughs> the other hockey team in town and what you got going tonight. Well, listen, the Silver Knights are doing great. They are yeah. tremendous. They're on fire. Their goalie, I tell everyone that cares to listen, their goalie, Thompson, he's the guy to watch. He's absolutely phenomenal. I'm loving these games. JT, you know we are, we are proud sponsors of the Silver yes. Knights. We love the team. We love Henderson. We think, uh, we, th- uh, we think that now, getting so excited, part of our crew yesterday went over to check out the progress on the Dollar Loan Center. It is coming together. Every one of your listeners should, get, be, should be very excited for that facility to open in April. We will see you there at games. In the meantime, we are obviously uh, going to these games at, uh, at Orleans Arena, mm-hmm. which is just, you know, very close to the strip. And, and that's, you know, and, and, and so we're just having a lot of fun. So, yes, I'll be at the game after First Friday, going to the game with my son. He's going to be riding Zamboni, which he's been begging to do, and, uh, and we're making it happen today. He's very excited. I look forward to your text. I'm around all weekend. Let's get together. I can't wait to see you again. Thanks for everything you do for our partnership, and especially such a tough week. We needed to hear from you both. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, JT. There they are. Sam and Ash, because you deserve what's right. Call them, 702-820-1234. Put them in your phone. 
Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234. Check out the website, SamAndAshLaw.com, because you deserve what's right. They're great people. They're great friends. They're always available. You get two of the best attorneys in town working together on your case for one. That's why they're my personal injury attorneys. SamAndAshLaw.com, because you deserve what's right.